They're in the gate. They're in the gate. In the gate. They're in the gate. It's a hit bobbing finish. Welcome to In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well, which services the iTunes Store and TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you probably didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Gary Johnson has a lot to do this afternoon. Gary Johnson is preparing the feed for the horses in his care. And he knows they have specific needs and quirks. Some get sweet feed added to their daily regimen. The sweet feed is, they, is for the taste. They like the sweet feed for safari. He eats it without picking, picking through the grain. It's pretty much the same cal- uh, calories and nutritious and all that stuff. Johnson needs to keep his horses on schedule because he himself is on a strict schedule. You see, Gary Johnson is not really in charge of the 50-odd horses on this farm, though he thinks he is. For the past year, he has been an inmate at the Wallkill Correctional Facility, a medium-security prison located roughly 80 miles north of New York City. Johnson is 53 years old, one of the older prisoners. He's at Wallkill on drug sale and possession charges. Clearly, though, he is not full of quite the same headstrong piss and vinegar that fuels the behavior of much of the general inmate populace. And there's one horse in that field over there named Kiki, Keystone. It's real named Keystone, but we call him Kiki. So I started talking to him and playing with him, and then I just fell in love with Kiki. Now, then they put me over here, so now I'm in love with Ribby and Bubba. Johnson is Wallkill's keynote speaker, so to speak, about the Second Chances program run by the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. The program gives inmates the chance to learn about relationships and life skills in a manner and setting far different from the ones that landed them in prison. One thing I've learned that they give you what you give them. You show them love, they're going to show you love in return. Many of the 50-odd horses at Wallkill are retired thoroughbred racers, most notably Quick Call. Still kicking at the highly advanced age of 33, Quick Call gallantly won both the 1988 and 1989 Forgo handicaps at Saratoga under the guidance of Hall of Fame jockey Pat Day. He barely missed a three-peat in 1990, though earlier that year, Quick Call upset a multiple grade one winner so quickly to capture the Tom Fool at Belmont Park. In all, 
quick haul amassed more than $800,000 in career earnings from his 89 career starts. But quick haul was a gelding. So obviously he had no stallion career ahead of him when his racing days ended in 1992. So where would he go? Well, many retired racers would be used for breeding, for other disciplines such as dressage, or kept as pets. But in the 1990s, thoroughbred aftercare in general had not yet become quite the buzzword it is today. Enter the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation Second Chances Program. If someone seeks us out and looks for a better answer for their horse's second career, they come to us. That's Jennifer Stevens, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation's Assistant Director of Development. And we often get horses who are um, unable to be retrained. So their future is uh, not so bright. The TRF had started in 1983 with the help of such luminaries as Secretariat's owner, Penny Chenery, and Alaire DuPont, who campaigned five-time Horse of the Year Kelso. Quick Call wound up at Wallkill in 2001, where, like many thoroughbreds, he's meant as much to the people who touch him as they have meant to him. It's a second chance for both of them, for both the horse and the person in the program, and we think it's mutually, it is proven to be mutually beneficial for both, as neither one of them would have that chance without the other. Inmates all have to take on some sort of job during the day, but working with horses definitely brings the inmates in the program their fair share of chiding. Benjamin Orenstein, a 45-year-old from Brooklyn in the midst of a four-year sentence for possessing stolen property, laughs at the ribbing he gets. They do look at us like, you know, oh, why would you want to come to jail and work with horses? Well, I don't want to sit in jail and just talk to you all day either. And you get tired of reading books or listening to the radio or whatever you're doing all day or watching TV. That's boring. This, we learn things, you know. We're out here in the fields. Good boy. Good boy. A typical day begins at 8 a.m. when the inmates are bussed about a half a mile from the main facility over verdant rolling hills to the farm office. Before they encounter their 1,200-pound pets, the inmates must first say hi to a bunch of other four-legged friends, the cluster of cats that live in and around the farm office. Of course, there's the hands-on part of the program, but there's also classroom work to be done. The students learn anatomy, nutrition, lameness recognition, vital signs, medication, and how to use equipment such as halters and bandages. Getting the classroom work into the inmates, though, can be a big challenge, says longtime Wallkill farm manager Jim Tremper. I've had guys come to me that are not reading into the first grade level yet. I've helped them get... Uh, a little more literate, uh, some of them into the second, third grade level, just working with them, working with the horse materials that I give them. Once the inmates check in with Tremper at the office, they gather the feed and head out to the horses. Therein lies the first hurdle, overcoming the fear of what a powerful 1,200-pound animal can do. Inmate Brian McNair remembers his first encounter. I was scared to death. Uh, big, they're intimidating. And I was a little standoffish. I wasn't sure I had made the right choice at first. And gradually, you know, they grow on you. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, 
What chance do inmates who've successfully gone through the Second Chances program have of finding jobs in the horse industry? Stay with us. Welcome back to In the Gate. It takes horses time to wind down as they move from racing to their next careers. So too do inmates need time to wind down from the environments that led to their incarceration. And adjusting from running the streets to handling livestock often takes a few months. It did for Bilal Muhammad, who has been at Wallkill since May of 2016 for criminal possession of a deadly weapon on the streets of Queens, New York. Because I was pretty scared. So I had no choice but to go in there and feed. And I went in, and he followed me around. I'm like nervous, like, oh my God, he's about to kick me, he's about to kick me. Then I realized by the third day, oh, he's actually out here just protecting me, making sure I get everybody fed. And then I realized he was the dominant horse there. Got cool with him, everybody else liked me after. <laughs> Twice a day, morning and afternoon, the inmates feed the horses grain and hay, change their water dishes, walk the horses, and work on their infirmities. Farm manager Jim Tremper says the relationships they build with the animals can have a profound effect on the prisoners and on the horses. Most of these guys are used to taking whatever they want, whether it's taking property from somebody else, taking drugs, taking somebody's personal space. I see some of them, when they come in, they have this totally negative attitude towards other human beings that they've lived with, their family, their, their significant others, whether it's a wife or whomever, girlfriends. And when they're working with the horses, the horses teach them that they just can't take whatever they want from the horse. The horse expects a certain behavior, a certain attitude uh, for the horse to cooperate. You come in with a negative attitude with the horse, the horse is going to have a negative attitude back. You get aggressive, they're going to either run away or they're going to fight you. Here's inmate Gary Johnson. They have no problem with us catching them because we show them that, that love and that's what, they, that's what they want. The horses are grouped in different pens in groups of roughly between four and eight. Johnson has built a tight bond with his horses, including Auto and Safari. He says that Safari has rectal cancer and probably does not have much time left. Johnson shudders at what Safari's death would mean for Auto. I hate to be here that day when he do pass away because this guy's going to go crazy because... If you take that horse out of his sight, he would tear this fence down. He would just run you right over, you know. And he doesn't really mean to. He just wants safari. I don't know. They just have this bond that's you're unbelievable. Johnson, though, likely will not be at Wallkill whenever the day comes that death doth part his beloved horses. Gary Johnson is scheduled to be paroled the day before Thanksgiving. There are no hard statistics about how many of the Second Chances program graduates have gotten jobs in the horse industry upon their releases, but Tremper says that it has gotten harder to place them in horse racing or on farms. Recidivism is a fear, of course, though Tremper says that inmates who go through the Second Chances program have better success than the general prison population. Nonetheless, convincing potential employers to take a chance on these ex-cons is difficult. All we can do is try to convince them that this guy has proven himself here in the program and that he's worth taking a chance on. 
While there are prisoners at Wallkill who appear relatively unaffected by working with the animals, and who leave the impression they will be back at Wallkill or another facility at some future date, Gary Johnson is torn between the hope of a new life and the parting from his beloved auto and safari. Perhaps he will find a way to care for animals in his new world. Well, I would love to because I, I've been in the class for the last seven months now. I've took numerous tests, passed numerous tests. You know, I've learned a lot about them. And if I can, I would love to. But one thing I've learned that they give you what you give them. If you show them love, they're going to show you love in return. Remember, you can subscribe to In the Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In the Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In the Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.